0: Howdy folks, this is professional rodeo announcer Joe Coulter, and I want to be the first to welcome you to Save the Cowboy. But before we get started, I want to ask you one question. What is a cowboy? Well, a cowboy is about character, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. And you know when you scratch all that into the dirt, you're going to spell out the word Christ. And that, in its simplest form, is what being a true cowboy is all about. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to learn how to ride for the Lord. And may God save the cowboy. I had a dog whenever I worked on the San Pedro Ranch, y'all heard, probably heard me talk about him. I was the only one on this ranch that spoke English. My TV didn't even speak English, it was down on the border of Mexico, and uh, my dog's name was Woodrow, but uh, Antonio Zeferino and Tomas couldn't pronounce Woodrow for some reason, so they called him weed Throw, and so that kind of stuck too, but... Uh, I'll never forget. I didn't know it was coming. Dad and my, my dad and my brother came to see me one time down there. It was a long ways. Dad was working on the Rocker B. They worked six and a half days a week. He took some, uh, some vacation days just so he could drive down there and come see me. And I, I got my brother bucked off while he was there. That was great. You know, it's always a plus. And uh, anyway, we, uh, I was standing there, and, and, and dad comes walking in, and I was like, Well, where's Jason? He's like, he's coming. He's bringing something. And Jason comes walking in with a present from Lance Stone, a cowboy that I worked with on the Rocker B. And it was a half Border Collie, half Blue Heeler pup. And it was just one of the most cool little dogs I'd ever seen. And uh, he was already about six or seven months old. But we took to each other like nobody's business. And I'll never forget after Dad left... Um, the very next day, we were leaving from headquarters, and around the schoolhouse where where I lived, there was a center block wall about, oh, about yay high or so, and uh, we were riding off, and of course, Woodrow had only been there a couple of days, and so I left him in the yard, and I could hear him just going crazy, going crazy, and we got about half a mile out there, and I looked down, and he was trotting along beside me. He had jumped that fence, and he was just a little guy, but he jumped that fence, and uh, he wanted to go with me, and so we got to chasing wild cattle and everything. It was a rotational grazing system, and um, we had a new bunch of steers in there that didn't didn't uh, co-opectate to what we were trying to get them to do. And so they were kind of going crazy, and we got them going. And, but, I mean, we started going like this, and I lost Woodrow the very first day. We got over to the backside of that pasture and got all the deals put through, and I asked Antonio Tomas and Zeferino, I said... I said, to mi perro? I said, no sé. I, I don't know. I was like, "Oh!" So they rode back the short way, and I rode all the way back to that pasture. Woodrow! Woodrow! I, climbed the, I climbed the windmill. Woodrow! Yeah. No dog. I was heartbroken. I missed home so bad and everything, and Dad brought me this dog, and I had promised to keep him safe, and the very first day, I lose him. So I rode back and you know, I'm kind of laughing about it now, but I'm telling you what, at that time, I was pretty upset. I mean, I, I really was. And um, I got back and, and uh, Antonio Tomas and Zeferino, they were sitting on the front porch of the bunkhouse and I went walking over there and they were drinking coffee and they asked me, they said, in Spanish, they said, did you find your dog? And I said, no. And they said, oh, lo siento, I'm sorry. He said, that was a pretty good dog. I said, yeah. He said, have you been to the house yet? No. He said, that's a pretty good dog. (laughs) Yeah. Walked over there and Woodrow's laying on the porch. (laughs) Pretty good dog. We had another dog there. It wasn't mine. His name was Scooter. He was a blue tick hound about this tall. Bigger than what most people realize, blue tick hounds get, but something about the South Texas—they get hogs this big and blue tick hounds this big, I guess. But Scooter was big, and every every morning, whenever I'd walk over for breakfast, Woodrow would be—we'd throw would be right along beside me, you know, little bitty border collie legs going along beside me. And Scooter, he'd get up and stretch, walk out there, and just maul Woodrow. I mean, never would, like, draw blood or anything. He just wanted Woodrow to know who was boss of that outfit. And he walked over there, and I'll give Woodrow credit, man. And a lot of times, you know, I wasn't right beside him. He'd be out there, you know, farting around or something. And here comes Scooter. Woodrow would never run from him. He'd just go. (laughs) And then an old Scooter would hit him and everything. And, you know, a lot of times I'd... Run out there and beat scooter off of him and everything, and I was like, I'm sorry, boy, I can't keep you. I can't watch you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And he would just look up at me like, it eh, ain't no big deal. I'm kind of used to it. Whenever I left the Rockerby Ranch, or whenever I left the San Pedro, we went to work on the Rockerby Ranch again, and then I went back off to college for like two days, and that's <laughs> yeah, about my college career. Carried a four-point, though, during it. I did. I had a solid hundred average those two days while I was there. Perfect attendance and everything. They didn't give me an award or nothing. Where's Andy? Well, I need an attorney to write them and get my reward. But I gave him to a friend of mine named Chad Wagley. Chad had, was a big uh, uh, sheep showman, and um, he was using Woodrow. Woodrow was a working cow dog. And the last thing I wanted to do was keep Woodrow in a cage or, you know, something like that. That dog needed to work. That's what he was made for. And so I gave him to Chad because I knew Chad would take care of him. And Chad said that he was the best dog in three counties. And at one time, he was offered $8,000 for Woodrow because you could speed him up and slow him down when he was exercising those 4-H show sheep and stuff like that. He'd never bite them. He'd just listen to you. He was a fantastic dog, one of the smartest dogs I I ever knew. And uh, at one time, uh, Woodrow was stolen. And um, the gate, you could tell that it had been busted open, and they took him out of the yard. And Chad actually found him in a town 40 miles away, headed for home. He had got out, and Chad got him back. And Chad was telling me about that. And so Chad, not because of anything that Woodrow did, but Chad chained him up, to at his house with a chain. And he always, just when he wasn't there, it's not like he chained him up for good or anything like that, but he put a padlock on there because he didn't want to do without Woodrow. And one time I was home in Big Lake and I wanted to see my best friend real bad. Kind of one of those low points in your life and I know we've all been there. And you know, there's just something about a dog or an animal that just does something that humans can't. And me and Woodrow had spent a lot of time together. And so I pulled up at Chad's house and I could see this little furry thing laying underneath the, the porch. And I always whistled to him like, not real loud or anything, just like that. And I pulled up at the curb and I rolled down that window. And I went, that head shot up. And all of a sudden, you've seen him get up, and he hit the end of that chain so hard, I thought he was going to break his neck. He turned around, and he was biting the chain and just screaming, just whining to get to me. And with tears in my eyes, I drove off. I couldn't bear it any longer. Seeing him at Chad's chained up, even if it was for his own protection, just broke my heart. And I was going to get him back, but he was stolen again. The padlock was cut with a pair of bolt cutters, and we never saw Woodrow again. It was about a week after that. and uh, But you know what? I, I couldn't imagine what Woodrow felt like chained up under that porch. Meant to do so much, but yet... Chained up, tethered, shackled, hobbled. Is that how you feel as a Christian? I mean, honestly, let's think about it. You don't have to answer it out loud. Answer it in your heart. Do you really feel like God's promises of you will soar on wings like eagles? You will run and not fall? You won't faint? Is that really how you feel as a Christian? You go through your day and you just praise God because, I mean, you feel like you're boundless, limitless? Or do you feel chained up? Do you feel tethered, locked down, screwed down, shackled, hobbled? Is that really how your Christian life feels? Maybe it doesn't feel like that all the time, but does it feel like that sometimes? If so... I invite you to take a journey of discovery with me. I don't know how long this is going to take. With the Holy Spirit as our guide, we are going to learn how to unleash God's promises on our lives. Welcome to Unleashed. God has made promises in the Bible. God cannot lie. That is one thing that we have to understand, that God cannot lie. He has never lied. He will never lie. And when God says something, He sticks by it. And one of the best promises that I could find in the Bible is that God said that He would answer your prayers. But let's think about it for a second. How many times do we pray something and it doesn't seem like that prayer gets answered? Seems to be a conundrum there. What happened? The first thing that we have to understand in getting every single one of our prayers answered. I'm not talking about some of our prayers. I'm not talking about most of our prayers. I'm not talking about the big prayers or the small prayers. I'm talking about getting every prayer answered. The first thing we have to understand about unleashing God's promises in our lives is found in James chapter 1 verse 6 and 7. James chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 says this, But when you ask, you must believe. But when you ask, you must believe. You must not doubt. People who doubt are like waves on the sea. The wind blows and tosses them around. A man like that shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. But how many times do we do that? We pray the prayer and secretly in the back of our mind, and I know that you've done it, why? Because I know that I've done it. We think, yeah, we'll see how far that gets. Is God really going to answer that? He's probably not going to answer that. James says right here, but when you ask, you must believe. It really is as simple as that. You must believe, you must not doubt. God does not grant wishes, though. He answers prayers. What's the difference between a wish and a prayer? A wish are those things, you know, like whenever, whenever uh, Kevin goes to the toys, I mean, Griffin goes to the toy section at Walmart. Christy, I want this and I want this. We were in Brookstone in DIA yesterday, and they had a helicopter this big remote controlled. That was a wish, it wasn't a prayer. It might be a prayer, I'm still thinking about that. It was cool. It had four blades. It was like a UFO. I could chase Christy around with it. She would like it. But God does not grant wishes. He answers prayers. And when we pray, we must believe. We must not doubt. You can't just wishy-wash and wishy-wash and wishy-wash. You know what, it's kind of like, and no offense because I do it too, but there, there's kind of uh, three ways whenever you rope an animal. I was going to say a cow, but cowboys like to rope stuff like buzzards, emus, alpacas, not shaved ones, those will scare you. <laughs> not even horses like those things. Llamas, elk, bear. I rope bear all the time. But you know, there's three, you know, whenever you rope something, what do you do then? That's the famous saying (laughs) I can rope it, but it's what you do with it once you get it roped. That's the trick. But if you want to hold on to something, there's about three ways you can do it. Now, a lot of cowboys cover their horn in like a rubber inner inner tube. In a tube. (laughs) That's funny. Anyway. And and you rope something and you wrap the rope around it and it holds it tight and you know you can do something with it and everything like that. Another way is the buckaroo way. They've got mule hide wrapped around it and they can rope something and they do the same thing, but they can they can let those uh, coils slip a little and give the animal more room to eat you or breathe or whatever the case may be. And then the third thing. You can tie on hard and fast. Now, I ain't, I ain't run into nobody in Colorado yet. I'm not saying that you're not here. I ain't run into nobody in Colorado yet that ties on hard and fast, and that's what we did down there in Texas, mainly because there was so much brush and everything like that that when you got something roped, you just went, ah! You didn't have to use your hands when you were tied on hard and fast. Manly way to do it. Some of y'all might not think that, but it is. And so anyway... You can tie hard and fast, but you know, when you're just dallied, and, I, and I'm just joking about the dallying part, but you know, if you've heard the, the term dilly dally around, just, eh, you know, not really making up your mind, you know, a lot of people, that's how their prayer life is. You know, they'll reach out there and snatch prayer and do like that, but as soon as they forget about it or it gets rough going, you can just turn loose and everything's okay. You can let it slide out there, you know, there's no actual hard and fast commitment. But if you want your prayers answered, you can't be roping and dallying. You've got to tie hard and fast onto that prayer. And like James says in 1 6 through 7, but when you ask, you must believe, you must not doubt. People who doubt are like waves of the sea, the wind blows and tosses them around. Men like that shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. God doesn't want you to dally. He wants you to tie on hard and fast to His promises. And if you want God's promises to be unleashed in your life, you cannot just dilly-dally around. You can't be blown back and forth of doubt and belief and doubt and belief. You've got to tie on hard and fast. You must be convinced. When God said, I will answer your prayers, you must be convinced, not confused about it. You must believe that God will answer your prayers and it will be unleashed on your life. And I know that many of you have got that prayer. But what do we do then? First, we have to believe it. There's another thing that we need to do. We need to live it. One of the greatest promises ever made concerning prayer is found in Matthew 7.7. Maybe you're one of these people that say, Well, I don't, you know, I really don't uh, memorize scripture that, that well. Isn't seven a lucky number? I mean, you know, granted, seven days, you know, blah, 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 it's kind of a, a biblical number, but seven is supposed to be lucky, right? Well, how about Matthew 7 7. Now you can remember this. Matthew 7 7. It's the double luckiest verse in Matthew. Ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find knock and the door will be opened man what a promise ask and it will be given to you search and you will find knock and the door will be opened and then in verse 8 it goes on and it just gets better everyone who asks who i'm sorry everyone who asks will receive everyone who searches will find the door will be open to the one who knocks wow You want to talk about a fantastic promise of God that is just waiting to unleash in your life? Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask, and you shall receive. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. So let's talk about that for a second. Number one is that whenever you ask, it's got to be personal. You know what? God is just... Some of your prayers... God knows all of our wants and needs and desires, and we don't have to say anything. But you know what? Some of those prayers, you haven't asked God for yet, have you? You haven't asked. He wants to be your personal Lord and Savior. He doesn't want to be a vending machine that He just shows up, you know, out of the blue like the fairy godmother and gives you a little prayer that you haven't asked for. He wants to be your Lord and Savior, and He wants to take care of you. Be personal. God is waiting for you to ask. And did you see it said, ask, and it will be given to you. Ask. You, you, let me see if I can make this clear. you got to ask. you got to ask. And He wants you to ask. So why aren't we? Jesus says, suppose your son asks for bread. This is in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 9. Suppose your son asks for bread. Which one of you will give him a stone? Think about that. If you've got kids, or you've got a dog, or whatever, suppose your son asks for bread. Are you going to give him a stone? Or suppose he asks for a fish. Which of you will give him a snake? Even though you are evil, you know how to get good, give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Think about that. If you're a good parent, if you love your kids so much that you would do anything for them, Why won't God do that for you? How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? you got to ask, folks. Be personal. The second thing, you have to be persistent. Persistent prayers get answered. There's a verse in the Bible that Jesus talks about, and I didn't write it down, but it talks about Uh, it's kind of a parable of a guy who wants some wheat or something like that. I don't really remember. And he goes and he knocks on the door. And the guy says, go away. And the guy's like, I want some wheat. Go away. I want some wheat. And he just sits there and knocks and knocks and knocks and knocks. And finally the guy gets up and gives it to him just so he'll shut up. You know what? God kind of wants that from you. He wants you to keep on and keep on and keep on. And if he doesn't want to give it to you because it's good for you, he may do it just to shut you up. And I know that some of you is real good at nagging. Aren't you? Do not look at your wife. You will get in trouble. Do not. Eyes forward, men. Eyes forward. You did it. You look. Sandy's look, looking for Rick. <laughs> not really. But you've got to be persistent. You've got to ask folks and keep asking and do not give up. This does two things. Number one, was it really that important? How many times have you actually prayed for something one time and then forgot all about it? Do you really need that if it's not important enough to ask God for it every single day? And see, I think that God, I know that God hears our prayers, but sometimes He's like, I want to see if that's really what He wants. It's kind of like at Christmas time, which it's kind of weird because when we were growing up, my grandmother would come and give us the Sears and Roebuck catalog and say... Circle what you'd like for Christmas. So I just circled the whole dadgum thing, handed it back to her said, thanks, Grandma. She's like, you're going to have to be a little bit more specific. So I circled the entire toy section. Not really. But you know, you're like, oh, I want that and I want that and I want that and I want that. But half the time, the kids just forget about it there's that one thing that they keep on asking for and keep on asking for and keep on asking for. And isn't that what you usually try to get them? I think so. Sometimes God is waiting for you to ask. And even if you ask once, He wants to see how important it is to you because He wants to bless you. He wants to bless you abundantly. He came so that we might have life and have it abundantly, but He's waiting on you to ask persistently. He's asking you, He's waiting on you to ask personally. He wants you to believe it. And we're talking about living it. Be personal, be persistent. Hey, before you shut that knob off, let me tell you something. If you like today's program, we can all give a great big thank you to Western LLC. They're a turnkey development for oil and gas and aviation industries. You can get on the internet and visit them at westernllc.com. Also, Jim and Kelly Gerald at Integrity Auto Repair and Rod Denning at Tumbleweed Hay and Hauling, all of them out of Kiowa, Colorado. You ought to know by now that I ain't going to jerk your leg. (laughs) Okay, maybe every once in a while, but this one ain't no story. This here's the truth. We need your help to stay on the air and keep this gospel being spread to cowboys and cowgirls like you. It ain't easy to ask, I promise you. We'll even tell all your friends that are listening that it's you that are bringing it to them. Help us out by going to SaveTheCowboy.com and contacting me. Call me and let's get this thing set up. Don't leave it to somebody else.